0: Welcome to today's podcast, the latest in the MPCC series, Prostate Cancer in You. Hello, I'm Jordan Rich, and our guests today will provide more information on imaging, an extremely popular topic in the last two MPCC symposiums. Please join me in welcoming prostate cancer survivor Mark Franklin. Mark is being compensated by Blue Earth since he is a patient engager for Blue Earth. Dr. Alan Chaglassian, the medical director for Blue Earth Diagnostics, where he focuses on next-generation imaging, and Dr. Adam Kybell, chief of urology at Brigham and Women's Hospital and the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. And Mark, I'll go to you first. Please share your experience.
1: Okay, so I am a 30-year Army veteran, uh, retired in 2012, and the year before my retirement in 2011, and re- a routine physical the uh, physician's assistant noticed that while my PSAs were within normal range, they had showed a dramatic increase from uh, one one point to another. So she recommended a biopsy. And on March 7th of 2011, I had the biopsy. And on March 14th, the uh, urologist called and said, Mark, I got some bad news. You do in fact have prostate cancer and recommend you come in. We discuss options. So went in visit visitor, we had a lot of discussion. And after she explained to me the algorithms and I had a Gleason score of seven, I decided to go ahead and have the radical retropubic prostatectomy. I had that on May 10th of that year, and the surgery went well. They did an analysis of the prostate gland and it was negative at the margins. I've learned a lot about this in my, in my journey. And I uh, was told that uh, that was good news, that it apparently the prostate had not escaped. So I thought all was good, and uh, I was good to go. Fast forward about 10 years, and in 2021, another routine exam showed that my PSA level had risen to a 0.5. And if you don't have a prostate, you shouldn't have a PSA detectable at 0.5. So I had an imaging scan, and that scan revealed hot spots both in the prostate bed, and um, and in the lymph nodes around the prostate. Interestingly, it also detected some hot spots in the colon. So I was referred and recommended to get a colonoscopy, and unfortunately, that also confirmed that I had colon cancer. I had a tumor in the lower part of the uh, of the large colon. So that presented a challenge for the doctors. I had two primary cancers that they had to treat simultaneously. Um, but I can tell you the good news is that after 39 radiation treatments, eight cycles of chemo over 16 weeks, nine months of hormone therapy, and two surgeries, uh, the prostate cancer is in remission and the colon cancer is essentially gone. So I do get follow ups with uh, PSA checks, and that's pretty much my story.
0: I know I speak for everyone on this podcast panel, Mark, and everyone listening. We're very happy to hear that great news. Dr. Kybell, if you would please weigh in on the evolution of medical technology, particularly in the area of imaging, and what that has meant to those dealing with prostate cancer.
2: Now, if we go back 20 years ago, uh, really imaging uh, had uh, proven to be much less useful for prostate cancer than we hoped. And I think a lot of the reason for that is because PSA was so good, it was picking up cancer earlier and earlier uh, before uh, we could detect uh, either local disease or metastatic disease. And and over the past decade, we've seen several advantages, one around MRI, which does a much better job of localizing the tumor within the prostate gland.
0: Dr. Kybel, what about the use of Axumen or PSMA scans?
2: Those are two different things. They're both PET imaging agents, uh, and both of them have been uh, uh, a step forward in order to identify whether patients have metastatic disease or not. And, and these are obviously incredible steps forward because on lo- for localized prostate cancer, we do a much better job of identifying if the patient has cancer and how aggressive the cancer is, that's the MRI piece. And uh, the PSMA piece allows us to identify, the PSMA PET piece allows us to identify if the cancer is spread. And in both cases, we're able to tailor our therapy the actual stage of the disease which is a huge win.
0: Dr. Chaglassian let's talk a little bit about another specific development that you're here to discuss and the good news on that front.
3: I'm sure everybody has heard there's a lot of, a lot of excitement around blue earth diagnostics. Um, new radio tracer called POSLUMA. Uh, POSLUMA was previously referred to as RHPSMA um, 7.3 and RH just stands for radio hybrid. PSMA stands for a prostate specific membrane antigen. It's a protein found on the surface of prostate cells. And normally prostate cells typically have psma it's usually found in greater amounts on prostate cancer cells and imaging that targets psma could really um, help find prostate cancer upon either additional diagnosis or if the cancer has returned or spread so um, after uh, blue earth diagnostics received fda approval uh for customer for pet imaging in men with recently diagnosed prostate cancer who have suspected metastasis or spread and are candidates for initial uh, definitive therapy Or if they already knew they had prostate cancer, now the cancer has returned based on seeing an elevation in their PSA level. So we received FDA approval for this, uh, this past May 25th of 2023. The data which led to this approval was from two company-sponsored trials called Lighthouse and Spotlight. One trial was for patients who were newly diagnosed with prostate, prostate cancer called Lighthouse. And the second was for patients with recurrent prostate cancer called Spotlight. Briefly, in the Lighthouse study, the results did show the sensitivity or your true positive rate of the scan to the range of 23 to 30 percent, which is generally consistent with data we've seen in some other PSMA trials. And the specificity or your true negative rate ranged from 93 to 97 percent in the trial. And in the spotlight study, the detection rate or the percentage of patients who had a positive scan within the total overall patient population was 83 percent and at low PSA levels less than 0.5 where you really want to spot disease most early on in recurrence, the detection rate was uh,
0: 64%. Dr. Kai Bell, you have a comment?
2: So for PSMA PET scans, uh, they're sort of used in a couple of different clinical scenarios. Uh, the first, I'm going to do them in the order in which the disease develops. So for people with high-risk localized disease, patients with Gleason 8, 9, or rarely 10, and even some with Gleason 4 plus 3, Uh, The PSMA PET scan can help identify if the cancer is spread and and as a result, spare patients unnecessary surgery or radiation therapy. Then for patients that have had their primary treatment, uh, PSMA PET can be very useful in order to determine whether the cancer is still localized or it's spread elsewhere in the body. And that can also inform us as to what is the optimal treatment in in that disease state. So if the cancer is spread elsewhere in the body, we might do focal radiation of the metastatic deposits or use systemic therapy. If it has not spread, then we're much more likely to try a secondary local therapy with the idea that we'll eradicate the cancer. And then the third group is patients who have progressed to metastatic disease where they can monitor the whether or not the cancer has progressed, stabilized, or or regressed. Uh, in all these cases, one of the the PSMA PET is fantastic. It's much better than anything we've had before. Uh, but not all cancer cells uh, express psn PET, So there's always going to be some uh, false negatives, meaning the cancer uh, has spread and that the test doesn't show it. And there's even some false positives where a patient, it looks like the cancer has spread and yeah. has not. Uh, that's getting better and better as our radiologists get uh, more experience at reading these, these types of uh, studies.
0: Dr. Shaglassian, you mentioned uh, some numbers, and they were in the high 90s, and this is after – much research and rollout, good as we can get at the moment, based on the science?
3: You know, at the present time, obviously, there's other radio tracers that are um, in development. And in the, in the future, we might have uh, better numbers relating to detection rate or sensitivity and specificity and so forth. Um, but at the present time, we're really excited that POSLUMA is a next generation um, imaging agent, uh, very much comparable uh, to other P- PSMA um, agents out there. And we're very hopeful that it'll provide. Um, much more uh, information that will impact a change of management and potentially outcomes that will be more favorable to patients down the line.
0: Mark, how does it make you feel to know that as you're doing quite well, there are many other people, many men in this case, who are being diagnosed and might have a better shot of detecting it because of the technology? How does that make a patient feel?
1: You know, I'll start by saying I was very, very fortunate. I had access to military medicine, so my diagnosis, surgery, and, and treatment were all done between Fort Belvoir and Walter Reed Medical Center. So I was fortunate to have that access, but the uh, the POSLUMA agent now, that's that just gives doctors another, and patients another imaging tool. It's another tool in the kit bag that they can use. And in my case, it, it turned out even better because... Whether it was designed to do it or not, it also noticed that hot spot in the colon, which led to a colonoscopy, and so I got treated for that as well. So, uh, for me, it's it's huge for patients. It's another tool for doctors, and um, uh, personally, very very grateful. That's why I'm here.
0: And I'll ask you the question first, and go to the two doctors to get their reaction. Uh, people wonder what is the test like? Does it hurt? Is it difficult? Is it cumbersome? How was it in your case?
1: My experience, it was incredibly easy. They explained everything from the beginning, said that what they were going to do, I was injected with, uh, I guess it's called a nuclear isotope. There was absolutely no pain. It's like getting any other kind of a injection. Um, and the whole thing took probably 30 minutes. And it was one of the easier kind of procedures that I underwent in this whole thing. So yeah, very, very easy um, and well explained, well informed.
0: And Dr. Bell when you're uh, with a patient and you suggest it's time to do some testing and imaging, what do you tell them about the, uh, the impact of that? what the procedure's like?
2: I tell them it's the biggest, uh, hardest part of it is signing up for the test, getting to the <laughs> hospital and parking. Uh, it's, really, it's really not a difficult test at all. Occasionally you have patients ask questions about exposure to radiation, and I emphasize to the patient that it's really a minimal amount of radiation yeah, Alan can probably give me uh, more exact data, but I think it's less than if you flew across the country in a jumbo jet. So uh, I think it's extremely safe.
3: I completely agree with Dr. Keibel. I pretty much tell people um, it's equivalent to a CT with contrast. So um, very minimal exposure. Obviously, we, we tell, tell patients uh, to minimize their exposure to other people for about 24 hours afterwards. But these are very, very um, safe agents um, in general with very minimal um, in basic side side uh, reactions or side effects.
0: Once again, Dr. Kuybel?
2: Well, I think that's prudent and people shouldn't do it, but this is a very safe age and I don't want people to run around thinking they're radioactive and they could hurt somebody. Uh, this is, Alan obviously has the issue that it's uh, you know it's part of the company, so they have to be careful about this, but I've never, I, I think the exposure to the people that you love is minimal to none and I wouldn't spend any time worrying about it. Uh, Alan, you agree with that, right?
0: Uh, I, I do, yeah, I do. What about the availability of this imaging system across the country? Dr. Kybell?
2: We talked a little bit about who should get the test. And for people who the test is uh, FDA approved, it's fairly, a a year or two ago, sometimes very difficult to get. Now it's fairly easy. The insurance company does need to approve uh, the test. It's not something that's just done automatically like a blood draw. But pretty much all insurance companies approve it now for the FDA indication. Uh, there are patients that want to get psma testing where it's not approved people with low-risk disease and i would just caution patients that they don't want to get the test if they have low-risk disease because unfortunately there are false positives you can go down what i always term the rabbit hole where you start getting test after test after test trying to figure it out and the risk of metastatic disease is so low that it causes more problems than it solves
3: at the present time we say that the compound is available is widely available across the country at more than 31 um, cyclotrons. Cyclotrons actually produce the radio tracer and distribute it to a hospital or an imaging agent within a four hour radius. So we have very good coverage um, at the present time uh, to get pus luma out there for patients with uh, primary prostate cancer or recurrent prostate cancer as well. But we ask that they, a patient checks with their um, referring doctor or the nuclear medicine department or the imaging center where they're getting the scan to confirm on what days and times and availability, availability and so forth in their area for getting pus luma.
0: Mark, we want to thank you for your service currently to the Department of Defense, but also for being a a warrior and going through what you've gone through, coming out the other side. Any advice to men out there facing a a similar diagnosis?
1: Yeah, I do. And I appreciate the opportunity. Um, The best advocate for a patient's health is the patient. And so the best thing you can do, it's, it's scary to get a diagnosis of cancer, but don't let that fear kind of keep you from doing what you need to do. And that is ask questions. There's a lot of information where you can do your own research, but don't be afraid to ask the doctor questions. And there are organizations out there that can help. Uh, you're, the patient is the best advocate for the patient, and I encourage them to um, not be afraid and, and to get into the details.
0: Lots of great information, lots of important starting points for people to get help and to get the kind of help they need in this process. Gentlemen, I want to thank all three of you, Mark Franklin, Dr. Alan Shaglassian, and Dr. Adam Kybell. Thank you for your time, your expertise, and your passion in delivering this information.
2: It was a pleasure. Thank you for having us.
0: Now to review some important safety information. Image interpretation errors can occur with Posluma PET. Negative image does not rule out the presence of prostate cancer and a positive image does not confirm its presence. The performance of Posluma in both the primary and recurrent prostate cancer setting is affected by serum PSA levels and the uptake of the scan isn't specific for prostate cancer. It can be in both malignant and benign lesions and normal tissues. The interpretation of the scan could depend on the reader of the image, particularly in the prostate bed area. So consider multidisciplinary consultation and histopathology confirmation. The use of posluma does contribute to a patient's long-term cumulative radiation exposure but it's pretty much less than having a CT with contrast. And adverse reactions were reported in greater than or equal to 0.4% of patients in clinical studies. These included common things like diarrhea, blood pressure increase, and injection site pain. For patients on androgen deprivation therapy, the uptake of poslumumum could be affected, but their effect on the performance of poslumumum hasn't been established. To report suspected adverse reactions, please contact the FDA, at 1-800-FDA-1088. Thanks to all three of our guests today for an informative and inspiring conversation, brought to you in part by a generous grant from Blue Earth Diagnostics. To learn more about the Massachusetts Prostate Cancer Coalition and to hear the Prostate Cancer in You podcast, visit masspcc.org. This podcast available on all podcast platforms, including Apple, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google, Spotify, and more. This is Jordan Rich. Have a great day.